Don't you just love this? I mean, what is not to love? Just saying. <clears throat> well, almost Merry Christmas to everyone. We are still at the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, those of you who may not know me, or if you're following uh, from home or wherever you are, uh, hopefully not watching Argentina, France playing on, did I say that? <laughs> on the other channel. Um, God bless you. Uh, my name is Preben Vong. Uh, pray like president or present or whatever you say, pray, and then Ben like Benjamin, put those together. Vong like Vang, you say in Texas, right? And just eight like father. That's it, right? Or just if you say, I don't want to mess with any of that, call me whatever you will, as long as it's nice, right? It, it is good. Uh, we have a new email uh, since, uh, you know, things have changed here. I'm the pastor here during this time, so it's uh, pvang at, at uh, firstlouisville.org or pastor at firstlouisville.org if you can't spell pvang, uh, however it works, right? We'd love to, to kind of... Uh, come to know everyone. This is a good place to be. Yes? Yes, it is. And, and we sense God is in here. There's something special about, uh, this church. And I ask you to not forget that in all the many things that are going on, our business and also, uh, various kinds of conflicts uh, that are there, uh, at times, uh, again, let's not forget. This is a fantastic place to be. God has placed us here to do his work, to spread his word, to talk about his uh, son who is the eternal savior. And so I want to just remind you of a couple of things here before we, we open God's word, right? This season is a time to love. It really is. It, it, Jesus says it himself. He said, that's how you recognize that someone is my disciples is by their love. That's how you see. You're not sure? Well, look how they, they love. That's what that is about. It's a time to give also. Let's not forget that, right? So, so it is a time where we, we give to express our love. That is true also of the church to the many ministries that are going on here. The calling God has put on us as his living body right here that we are able to do uh, what he has called us to do requires the generosity of his people in this place. Don't forget, we got another week uh, and a half or two weeks or so before the new year uh, with this. And then, of course, it is a time of forgiveness, right? And I want you to notice how this is so tightly intertwined in God's thought about loving and giving and forgiving. It's summed up in what we call the little Bible, right? For God so what? Loved the world. That what? That he gave. Gave his only begotten son in order for what? That we may be forgiven. That is not perish, but have everlasting life. These things are, are bound up together. And, and with that, I, I want to open with a word of prayer. And just we're going to look this morning at the eternal Savior. We're going to read from um, Isaiah chapter 9, just two verses and kind of dwell on what that is. And I hope what we can accomplish this morning is that we can really take a look at Jesus. Can we fall in love 
with Jesus all over. Two of you can. <laughs> That's a question. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. Just who is this eternal Savior? Father, as we come to your word, as we open your holy scriptures, and we gaze at your son who is coming, who has come, and who will always be the one who comes. We ask that you will bless us by your spirit, that you will walk up and down these aisles in between every pew, touch every person in every living room that is watching from every car, from every cabin, from every anywhere. Father, would you be there by your spirit and allow us to hear not my words, but your words to our heart. Allow us to stand just aghast at the beauty of the manger as we behold the Savior. Amen. Friends, there is no time of year that is more wonderful than this, right? It, it is not just a song that this is the most wonderful time of the year. This is special in so many ways. We, we celebrate how light breaks through darkness. Even though we are, we're kind of in the southern part of the northern hemisphere, we still sense it, right? We, we still have, we celebrate it by light decoration, both inside and outside our homes and our, our buildings to see how that, that light breaks through darkness. And, and it does something to our hearts. There's something about even as we open God's word and read the scriptures that belong to this season, it does something to us. There's something about the songs we sing that belongs to this season that allow us to, to send things in a, in a different kind of way. And so this morning, I'd like for us just to dwell on two verses, chapter 9 of Isaiah, verses 2 and 5. And, and, uh, and 5, yeah, no, right, verses 2 and 6, of course. Begins like this. The people walking in darkness will see a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There's just something here, friends, that we want to talk about. It is... A mighty wonder of God. A miracle, if you will, of the highest degree. That the one who was limited to his cradle or to the manger is also unlimited in his presence everywhere. The one who was born into time is also the Lord of eternities. And the one who is forever called Son in the Divine Trinity, is here called Everlasting Father. Just think about this. Think about how that calls on us to do a deep dive study, to really consider the person 
of Jesus Christ with care and with depth. We can't imagine that, that we can, can get a good grasp and understand who he is by the superficial glance of the text of Scripture. A quick look at the Bible's text may, may save our soul, but, but it is only the patient and the persistent study and, and investigation, if you will, of Scripture and a dedication of prayer that would truly fill our hearts and our minds with the knowledge of the Savior. Think about this with me, if you will. Wonderful mysteries are hidden in his person. He speaks to us in the simplest of language, the most straightforward of parables, if you will. And he shows up in our midst. And yet there is in his person a a height and a depth that human understanding cannot even begin to grasp and, and comprehend. He changes everything. Question is if he has changed you. And I don't mean that really as a rhetorical question. I mean that from the depths of my heart. We say these words, but we, most of us grew up kind of in a generation that it still is where, where all this stuff about God and faith and all these kind of things have become a story to be told for inspiration. We go to church when we feel like we need like a little jolt in our spirit or, or a little jolt for our inspiration to kind of handle the next things that come up and we miss the depth and the power of who he truly, truly is. So allow me this morning to just to dwell at our wonderful Savior. And when I use that word, I want to remind everybody that it is not a word that we can just relegate to the afterlife. You know, we're saved so we know we're going to be with him after we die forever and ever. That's a wrong reading of scripture. Now, we're not saying that it's not so. What, what it is so clear in scripture is that salvation is already here. It matters. You need a savior. And let me see if I can just clarify that. If you're caught in your own web of thinking, right, and then you just keep swirling the same thoughts around, the same ideas, you try to break free, but before long you find yourself repeating what you always land in that same place. You need a savior. If you're filled with depression like so many people are these days, and you can read about this by deep, heavy thoughts. Some people have to take medicine for the same to even get through the next day. You need a savior. If you live in a relational hell that people you used to love, you find it hard to be with them, or or people that you thought loved you, you're finding out that it may not be so. You need as Savior, if you live under financial pressures and no matter what you do and how you do and, and how you try to get out, you're still living with that burden weighing down on you, you need a Savior. 
If, if you know addictions, whether they come from drugs or from pain medicine or from, from alcohol or from pornography or whatever these addictions may be, you need a Savior. Are we hearing this, friends? If you can't find joy, even in the midst of this season, you need a Savior when grief will not leave you. And understandably so, maybe. But still, you need a Savior. When life is hard, as we just heard about, and, and things become kind of grouchy and difficult and, and, and full of misgivings and hardships, you want to give up. You need a Savior. God reaches into our lives at this point. Don't relegate that word to the sweet by and by. It is right here. It is right now. Just as well. So can we sit at his feet this morning? Not so much just to look at his word. Not so much to listen to his challenges. Not so much to consider his teachings. But just to look at him. Just to look at him as he is. Friends, he is not discovered by symbol research. He is not recognized by common sense and human reasoning. So deep is the mystery of our Lord that unless he reveals himself to us, we shall indeed never Come to know him. Even when the great apostle Peter exclaims uh, right there uh, that, that Jesus, you are the son of the living God. Jesus turns right around and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father who is in heaven. Paul puts it this way. God was pleased to reveal his son to me. One of the apostles says in, in the gospel of John says, why do you intend to reveal yourself or to show yourself to us? Friends, no one can see Jesus or recognize him as God's son without sitting in the light of God. And just beholding. He's the door that no human can open. And once he has opened it, no human can close it again. He's both the key, friends, and the lock. He's the way and the guide. He's the riddle and the answer. He's the one, the only one, who can give sight to the blind and knowledge to the ignorant. Can I invite you to sit at his feet this morning? Just to sit and gaze upon him and let the reality of who he is change your life. May it be that it is our prayer and our desire, if you will, that we will grow in grace 
The knowledge of our Lord and Savior will fill our hearts because, as the Bible says, to know him is to have eternal life. I trust you desire to know him. And if you don't already, I hope and I'll pray that when we're through looking at him this morning, it will be a cry from your heart that I want to know this Savior who is eternal in every way. The text we just read said that his name shall be everlasting Father. Now, how are we supposed to understand a thing like that? Is the Son suddenly the Father? No, the Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Son, although they are one God, both in essence and in eternity forever, inseparably and, and indivisible. There is still a distinction between them in the Godhead. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. But the texts here, friends, are not here to teach us about how the interrelational uh, things work in the divine Godhead, but simply to talk about what does this mean for us? Who is Christ to us, to you? Each of you, all of you. So can we look at him and consider his eternity, his everlastingness, if that's even a real word. You know, Jesus, Jesus is the one that revealed himself to John on the island of Patmos. As the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. About the one who was. You can read and, and how it's expressed in the book of Proverbs and Solomon speaks about him. And he says here, let me read from chapter 8 verse 24. He said, I was born when there was no watery depth. And no springs filled with water before the mountains were established prior to the hills. I was given birth. I was there when he established the heavens. When he laid out the horizons on the surface of the ocean. When he placed, uh, when he placed the skies above and when the fountains of the ocean gushed out. When he set a limit for the seas so that the waters would not violate his command. When he laid out the foundation of the earth, I was his delight every day. Always rejoicing before him. He is the one who always was from before even the beginning of eternities. Don't believe that, that the sun began to be at a certain time, that there was a time when he was not. We can praise him, friends. Listen to this. We can exalt him exactly because he is the everlasting one. There was not a generation when he was not. There was not a time 
when he came into being. Forever and always there. Look, listen to how Paul puts it when he speaks to the church in Colossae. And he says it like this. He's the image, that is Christ, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him. He is before all things. And by him, all things hold together. Can you stand before that manger? Can you still be captured by just amazement? I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, is it possible are these are words we speak that actually has no impact? There's something here. God intended for everything that exists to be Christ-shaped and Christ-focused. Everything. Will you let him in and let that happen to you? There's more, friends. Just like he is the one who has always been, he is also the one who always is and always is to come. He's eternal in all his being. Think of this with me, friends. He, he is eternal in all his tasks, all his purposes, all his attributes, all of it. We're not asking him that, that, Lord, we're doing our thing. Would you come please bless what we do? We are begging him, saying, Lord, reveal what you're doing, what you have been doing since before the beginning of the beginning. And may we join in who you are. Can we sit at his feet is all I'm asking this morning. He is eternal in all his power. He is eternal. And he invites you to consider that in his grace, in his love, in his wisdom, in his guidance, in his care, in his faithfulness always. Eternal before the beginning of eternality. Is that even a way of saying it? And after the end of the same. Come, rejoice in your Savior this morning. Can we do this? Am I just speaking words or can we truly do this? Sit in front. Do you remember what it was? Or maybe what it is to just fall in love. Whatever that does to your soul, to your thinking, just fall in love. Now do so with the Savior. He is not created. He is not born. He is not chosen. He is not a prophet among prophets. He is not a God among gods. He is the everlasting Savior, the only living, true God 
who was and is and is to come, always the same. Are we hearing this, friends? He is worth worshiping. He is worth aligning your life to be like him to the extent that he will guide you and allow you to dedicate your life to that degree. Don't miss that. And also don't consider that he is unchangeable in static terms. That's not what that means, that he was always just like that, statically, stoically so. No, it doesn't mean that. He is always the same dynamically so. He comes to you in different ways in different times. He came to you differently when you were 4 years old, when you were 14-year-old, 24-year-old, 44-year-olds, and 94-year-olds. He will, but he will be consistently faithful, consistently Trustworthy, consistently loving, consistently caring, consistently guiding. God of God, Lord of Lords, worth everything in you to worship. This is the last Sunday before Christmas. Can we get ready, friends, and hear who he is with the depth of our inner, from the depths of our inner being. So let me reflect a little bit also on that fabulous term here, his everlasting father. What, what, what are we thinking about here? And hold on with me a little bit. There's some theological depth here that we dare not miss. Right, we know if you have ever read from, from the earliest parts of Scripture as you just open up the book, and you see God's story of creation, you will see there how Adam was created by God and, and intended to be the one through whom all could be blessed. Had he been, had he been obedient. He was not though, and so he became the representative head and instead of being the one through whom blessing would flow, he became the one who represented us as Sinners, we are all now living under the curse of the first Adam because he became the representative head for all of us. Only one other could ever possibly represent us before God, the man, Jesus Christ, the Lord of heavens. Think about this. Paul calls Jesus the second Adam for this very, very reason. Everyone who believes do not call the first Adam their father. They will call the second Adam, Jesus Christ, their father. And just like the condemnation came through that first Adam, so blessings and forgiveness flow through the second Adam, who is our representative head before God everlasting father to all who believe are we hearing this he has reopened the gates of paradise through him we find new peace through him pain sorrow misery 
is taken away because he is the father, our father indeed. What happens when you have the same father come out of the same womb and you become children of the same father? What does that mean? That means we are all brothers and sisters, yes. We are. Don't miss that. Theological high point and high mark. He is there for us to be restored. If you go just a few pages further into, into the book of Genesis to chapter 4, you, would, you see another way that word father is used really quickly. You see in chapter 4, there are two brothers. One is called Jabal, one, one is called Jubal. Uh, and you see uh, the difference. One, Jabal is called, he is the father of all those who are, are living in tents and raising livestock. Jubal is the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. Not biologically so obviously, but they are, they are there to say it all began right there. They somewhat define what that is. It's the same way when we think about Christ. As a foundation, the father of a brand new life, a totally new righteousness, the one who brought life and immortality to light. Are we hearing this, friends? Brought about a brand new way of worship that is in spirit and in truth. I hope. I don't get lost in, in theological conceptions that you're not following. But this will change our understanding. If we can just sit, quiet up, slow down, and look at the Savior, the Eternal One. Don't miss this. What does John say? Even in his open, his gospel, he is saying, all those who believe, to all of those, he gave the power and the right to become children of God. Followers who together, all of us, belong to the same Father. Let me briefly say one more thing. He is our eternal Savior because He is the giver of life. It is through Christ that comes. And don't again, don't relegate that to something ephemeral, something abstract, real life. It is through Him through his teaching, through his spirit, through his blood, that life is given to those who had otherwise died in their trespasses and their sin. He is the one who sits on the throne and he said, Behold, I have made all things new. All things. All things. He puts it like this. In John's gospel, when Jesus says, I truly tell you, 
that an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted that to his Son to have life in himself. He is the father of life itself. Beginning and completion or perfection of our faith. If you love him, it's because he loved you first. If, if you hold on to him, stand firm in obedience and commitment, it's because... You think of him who was obedient, even obedient to death on the cross. If, if you find it within you to forgive those who, who are not worthy of your forgiveness, it is because you realize that he forgave you who are not worthy of his forgiveness. He is the one about whom Paul says, reality itself came in him. Other things may be shadows of that, but reality itself came in Jesus Christ. He's Emmanuel, friends. In less than a week, we will gather. Saturday evening and again Sunday morning, just to celebrate his coming. Can we do that? In anticipation already now. I don't know how I can express his beauty. My words are not adequate to express the beauty of the one that we behold. But if you've ever looked at something and you sit there. Whether it's a sunrise or sundown or an incredibly beautiful picture. Something that has moved you in your inner being. This should be even more so. She just behold, slow up, look at him, and let him create an image in you that is unerasable, that would just stay there, like painted on your retina, where everything you see is seen through that picture. Friends, can we stand? And I want to give the opportunity like we always do. There may be some of you sitting at home that said, I need to, I just need to talk to someone. I want to know this Jesus you're talking about. Call us or come down sometime when the church gathers or just come to the offices during the week and we'll be there to pray with you. There'll be some here. Some of you may need to go and Talk to someone. Pray with someone. Either right here or maybe right after the church. Some of you may need to call someone. Or you may want to come here and kneel and just pray. Or you want to say, this is a church where God has called me to pastor. Friends, happy Advent. And soon, Merry Christmas. We anticipate for the Lord to come in the strongest of ways. Come on down.